Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of The Front Three. Adam Boltwood here, joined as always by the one and only Lawrence McKenna. I'm in the back of a cab. Beautiful. And uh, we are joined, stepping in for Squawker Day this week, by Kristen Hennage. Brilliant. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely pleasure to have you, uh, Kristen. Stepping in for Dave, who is at Oktoberfest, I believe. Dave is basically matching up Yabby Alonso drink for drink right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. And still losing control of that midfield. <laughs> First thing we've got to talk about, guys, is the UEFA Champions League, of course. So there's been a lot of talk about how the English clubs are struggling, Lawrence. But I mean, both Manchester clubs, they won last night. Manchester United winning at home, first off. I guess people would expect, expect a bit more consistency um, from all of the top sides, considering the way that the league's marketed and the perception from within the country. Basically, I would say that Kristen's well-equipped to talk about the state of the rest of Europe. But Ooh. what I would say is, um, with such strong teams and bringing in such talent, having spent such money everyone is surprised that these teams aren't doing better for a good reason that they've all had huge investment and they need to be doing better than um you know drawing away or drawing at home mm. or drawing anywhere to us or even losing manchester united won at home though it wasn't the most convincing victory though was it Kristen? it wasn't they were under the cosh for the last kind of 20 25 minutes to wolfsburg and you could argue with better finishing wolfsburg might have been able to get something from the game and that in itself just in isolation for man united i think shows a shift from what we came to associate with them in terms of Europe and, and dominating groups and qualifying out of the group with regular ease to actually a position where they are grinding out wins in, in quite an ugly way and almost a dangerous way because I can't see them repeating that kind of situation in the knockout phases when you've got these more clinical and elite teams of the competition. Is that a tactical shift? I mean, surely there's something in the tactics here because a few years ago we were watching Rafa Benitez, Sir Alex, Jose, all those guys having great seasons doing very different tactics to the tactics that we see now in terms of the way they not the way they laid their team out but in terms of the personnel and the way that they set them up though right i define it as half tactical half mental in the sense that i don't think there's nearly enough of a fear factor with manchester united now there's not a presence there when you go there i don't think there's any kind of mental fear in the manager i think louis van hall is is still suffering from quite a a flipping um, perception, perception by people in terms of how he's seen and, and how tactically shrewd he is. Now, in terms of the tactics on the pitch, I think they're missing a genuine commander in the middle. Not a leader, because of course they have experience in that with Bastian Schweinsteiger, but someone that really kind of just gets in there and dominates things and dominates a game. I don't see that standout individual that they had with Roy Keane, with Brian Robson further back. I, I just don't see that person. And I think in these European games, that can be important. Certainly, there's there's an aspect of the Champions League where you need to be technically proficient. The game isn't as fast as the, the English Premier League. It's a lot more technical as well. And you do need that element. I completely agree. I also think sometimes you need that that tough-minded man in there. But I mean, surely then we're looking at uh, the, the fact that they lost to Olympiacos. They lost to, you know, a, a number of sides out there over the last couple of days where you think, you know what? I, I can see very directly what you're saying there, Chris. But at the same time, 
the philosophy of some of the managers in the Premier League is, well, we don't need those kind of personnel. We want to rely on a system or we want to rely on something different. So, I, I don't know, I guess I'm just having a hard time sort of costing up the two. Arsenal's a different situation, and I say that because, well, Alfred Fing, Bogassin of, of Olympiacos, said they don't like to defend. That was his evaluation <laughs> um, after the game. I actually think what it is, it's a much wider point to Arsene Wenger in that when he arrived in this country, he was very good at being able to evaluate talent across the continent and mm. pounce on it very quickly. Um, particularly at Monaco. He liked to take players from Monaco where he knew them well. He doesn't do that now. And you look at, the best example I can give is Thierry Henry, Anthony Martial, a winger that he could turn into a striker, signed from Monaco that wasn't really scoring many goals. That's Thierry Henry. That is arguably also Anthony Martial. But for some reason, he didn't want to buy him. And that was something his agent even touched on. Um, he said there are two pe- two people in this world. There are those who follow players and there are those who buy players. And that's the problem is that, for Arsenal at least, Wenger hasn't bought players and hasn't bought the quality players because he's seen a number of rivals when it comes to kind of that shopping table. It's interesting, a thing you hear about Arsene Wenger very often, that he's indecisive in the transfer market. So he will scout players like Martial, he'll like players like Martial, but he won't, he'll flip he'll go back and forth on whether to sign these players and like you say he, he does miss out on them he, he did look a lot more clinical in the market when he was first started I mean I remember he pinched uh, Manu Petit from Tottenham mm. he went after Henri he signed a very young Emmanuel Adebayor at 21 he was good at being able to to know what he wanted and going and getting it players like Matthew Flamini Sol Campbell from Marseille exactly Sol Campbell Robert Perez, Sylvain Wiltord, the list is seemingly endless. I don't see that killer instinct these days with him in the market. I see you, a lot of kind of umming and ahhing on whether a player is really perfect for the price. Do you think that's down though, Chris? I mean, you're you're quoting an agent there, and I'm I'm re- I'm just really fascinated by that. I know they play such a critical part in the game now, and you're right to quote them. But does that show the shift in? the way that we're evaluating players and the fact that an agent is someone who's sort of very vocally and very publicly setting a, an agenda where actually you don't want that to be the kind of character that's setting an agenda within the game or laying out what rules Arsene Menga has to operate by. And a few years ago, I, I know maybe the market was slightly different and there weren't as many people trying to pinch these people so it makes them look more savvy. But surely there's something in that that yeah, we currently have a market which, only, I mean, FIFA Pro have pointed this out themselves, is set by the wrong kind of people and puts the power in the hands of, you know, people who are basically uh, in charge of the money. The thing is, I don't think the agent's dictating the rules. I think what he's doing is he's providing an evaluation. Arsenal but I, but are not do, doing Chris, what they're supposed to. But I, I agree with what you're saying. And some people, some Arsenal fans would also argue, well, you know what, if, if a player doesn't have the patience to deal with Arsene Wenger, then maybe he's not the kind of player that we want. That would probably be a very clever if not um, annoying response, but you'd also reply to that, well, you know what, maybe with with him even adding that comment or adding that evaluation, he's adding to a culture which already exists and we have to evaluate his comment and say, well, he's got a vested interest there. Do, do you know what I mean? I understand your, mm. your, your, your use of his comments correct, but at the same time, we have to evaluate where he's coming from and I don't think he's necessarily coming from the best angle. Let me... Before we move on to Arsenal, because we have, we've shifted on to Wenger, let me bring it back to Man United briefly. Um, although Kristen's saying there were no standout players in that sort of leadership uh, role for Manchester United, one player who did stand out last night was Juan Mata, of course. Um, he, he scored one, set up another with uh, a very vinable, as you would say, Lawrence, a very vinable flick. Yes, yes, I do love a vinable flick. Um, <laughs> but he, he's starting to, he's obviously performing very well at the start of the season and he's sort of starting to justify his fee in many ways because he was a player who arrived under David Moyes, of course, I think it's £37.1 million, pounds, yep. but he never quite, you know, well, I mean, set that, the world United fans would Moyes. say that's part of the problem, wouldn't they? They'd say, you know, you shouldn't trust any of those Moyes signings. Um, Apart from what, one matter. Apart from Juan Mata, one of the best players. Um, what I would say is he's not he's not the leader in the list that uh, we just gave, would you? You wouldn't no, say no, he's no. a Vieira or a Keane or he, a he made whatever you want to put him under. Um, he did make the difference, but you'd argue that there's different qualities to the way that he makes a difference. And maybe uh, part of the evaluation might be is that if he did have a Vieira or a Keane alongside him, imagine the difference he might make then. Very good, yeah. Very true, very true. Um, very good. No, very true. <laughs> a star. Very well good. Done. 10 out of 10, mate. <laughs> um, uh, but moving back onto Arsenal then, so obviously Manchester United win. Far from convincing. Um, 
Arsenal, however, the day before, as we've we're sort of alluding to there, they lost three to at home to Olympiacos, Kristen. And it's the first time Olympiacos have ever won on English soil. A lot was made of Wenger's decision to drop Pedacek and place David Ospina in goal. What did you what did you make of that? Because a lot of fans, a lot of pundits just could could not get over it. Well I think this is the first time Arsenal have lost their opening two group games in the Champions League as well. I think the decision My God. to Kristen, do you know who else has had a poor star like that and pulled it around? <laughs> Go on, say it Kristen. Go yeah, on. Yeah, Newcastle were the only team I think to yeah. to lose yeah. their opening three and still qualify. Yeah, yeah um, there you go. Who under? But to be fair, Arsenal haven't got that mental strength. <laughs> Bobby Robson, just say it, Bobby Robson. Yeah. There we go. Newcastle's mental strength. But yeah. I, I think it sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Um, it I does think now, yeah. what you have to, to to focus on is actually Wenger did give a, an explanation. I think it was Arsenal fan TV. He stopped outside the the ground and, and spoke to some of the fans and said that Czech had picked up a knock uh, against Leicester and he didn't want to risk him. I think it's too finite to say that actually, you know, dropping check is the difference between you winning and losing a game. That's that's scapegoating to me. Of course, Ospina made a, a huge mistake for one of the goals, but they also scored another two Olympiacos. And I think the problem with that football club at, at the minute is, is that they do seem one questionable result away from some kind of complete meltdown. Uh, I think it permeates into almost the way some of the fans react, the way you see them, admittedly, in these almost social cages that are yeah. the fan channels, where you talk to someone five minutes after they've just spent £60 to watch their team lose. Never has a description and been so dead on. The social <laughs> cage of fan channels. I liked, um, I think, uh, Drew Geordie summed up very well as well. He's sort of saying Arsenal fans and Arsenal go from one week being world-class to absolute shite the next week, which is just, it does, like you're saying, it flip-flops from one to the other. They're, they're in crisis every every other week, essentially. I think that mentality points to the way they're playing, though. They're not playing consistently. And again, as, as we touched on there, the, I think the players have dropped in terms of their quality. I think Wenger's ability to bring in players has dropped in terms of him not shifting with the times. I think he actually regressed in that sense in terms of the way he scouts players and brings them in. And and that's a problem. And and there's not there's not genuine leaders in there as well. You look at the intensity they played with under Wenger earlier on and, and the Invincibles team. It was always so quick and direct. And I would encourage both of you Bar perhaps maybe the Patrick Vieira goal at Anfield. Tell me when you saw in that Invincibles team a truly fantastic passing move goal that mm. maybe surcounted 15 to 20 passes. In the wider picture, it's, you look at Barcelona who were dominating Europe slowly around that time, around the time Arsenal get to the Champions League final. And it was about small midfielders who were doing brilliant things, but they were doing it because they could interchange with each other very quickly. And I think Wenger tried to recreate that and slowly phased out players like Patrick Vieira because he saw Fabregas, and Thierry Henry said this, that Wenger saw Fabregas as the future of that football club. And so he tried to almost build the side around him. But the difficulty was, as we saw with Fabregas at Barcelona, he didn't even fit that because he's not that kind of player. He's he's a number 10, essentially. He's not someone any deeper. And I think it just took him years to learn that. And we've talked about before the loyalty that Wenger shows to, to these players wrongly, year on year. And I just think he carried the Fabregas experiment on for far longer than it should have been. Do you think that's a bit of a problem, though, overall, Chris? That actually, that I mean, within the identity of what Arsenal fan TV have got and a number of Arsenal fans, they talk about, you know, we're this club, we're that club. And I think every fan channel does that to some extent. But... You almost, like it's it, like you say it's like a social cage. It traps you to a certain evaluation where you can't necessarily therefore evaluate uh, from a wholly uh, objective basis or subjective basis. So they're both on they're you know they they're on the scale somewhere and they're looking to they're basically very subjective but think they're going from an objective standpoint and so that's why they swing from one end to the other because they're very sure about what they want and what they think the club is, but they're unsure about the actual evaluation. Hence why, you know, Wenger essentially um, presented as a beautiful footballing side, but there was an incredibly hypocritical side that his, you know, they were one of the roughest teams in the league. Yeah, they, they were an incredibly physical team under Keon and Carr. I remember the the kind of elbow to the back of Van Nistelrooy's head. It wasn't pretty, but it was definitely a facet of their game. Unquestionably, And the problem I think Arsenal fans have at the minute is that every victory puts the problems out of sight and out of mind. And so that when those 
losses eventually do occur, whether it be to Man United or Olympiacos or whoever, it then brings them back to the fore and they're left saying, we don't want Wenger, we don't think these players, we should have signed players. It doesn't dilute the validity of their point at all. If anything, it almost reinforces it. The problem is, is that actually we talk about football fans being fickle. I think they just want to see the best in, in any situation. So in the case of them winning, they see it as, okay, this was a good performance. But something maybe that's lacking is the context of the wider picture for these these people kind of commenting. And it's not a criticism on them. I think mm. it's just hard not to get lost in that moment of enjoying a victory. Well, they're certainly, yeah, really they're certainly not seeing the best at the moment of Arsenal. They've got Bayern Munich up next, home and away in the Champions League. So it's very likely they're actually going to get knocked out, isn't it, Lawrence? I mean, the, the way things are going. Did you not hear the uh, Newcastle comment? Um, Sorry, yes. Yeah, uh, no, very likely. Uh, mainly because you... Uh, uh, that's part of it, though, isn't it? Is, uh, you'd imagine that Arsenal would hang... Uh, we're, we're talking about getting locked out in the long run. There's something about me that says, you know what, I'll see Arsenal beaten by Munich twice. And that's then everyone will be like, they're going through. Thing do, and then they go, and you'll lose 1-0 yeah. away to Olympiacos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's definitely the sort of thing they do. It, mm. is, it would be their earliest exit since 1999. Um, they usually always, almost always get through to, to that round of 16. But yeah, it's, it's going to be very difficult for them. Um, you, you almost want Wenger to have a consistent season, finish fourth, get out of the group stage, um, get to a semi-final or a final, get Arsenal a third FA Cup, and then move on. Yeah, I think, you know, it's almost time for someone else to come in and sort of have a go, basically. Wenger, there needs to be a fresh ideas there, fresh perspective, someone to, to take it on to the next level. Maybe that's Pep Guardiola in, in, in a few years, who knows? Or maybe he's going to end up at Manchester City, Kristen, who, again, were... They got the win, but they weren't the most... Again, it wasn't the most impressive performance. They sort of scraped through a 90th-minute penalty from Sergio Aguero, um, but but an important win, nonetheless. It, it was vital in the sense that it allowed them to kick off their campaign. I think in Aguero, you had someone who missed a number of chances. They also had a lot to thank Joe Hart for. He did them a lot of favours um, in terms of keeping a clean sheet. It's particularly in the first half, I thought he was brilliant. Not just a penalty save, there was three or four that I thought were genuinely world-class stops. Again, though, with City, it, it seems to be a mental problem. They, they just seem so weak in terms of not being able to stop attacks. I, th I personally think the thing with City is they've been a physical side for a long time. They've often been about Yaya Toure changing gears, Sergio Aguero isolating someone and beating them with kind of their lack of uh, recovery speed, if you will. And it's probably typified by Sameh Nasri. I think the reason Nasri has thrived in the Premier League is because t technically he's superior than his opponent. When you, you put him in Europe, I don't see that technical superiority, not just with him, but also I think with Yaya Toure, maybe even to a degree Sergio Aguero. And I think that's where they fall down because the Champions League, not only is it a slower competition, as we said before, it's also a technical competition where passing really is, is kind of the standard bearer. If you can't pass as a team, you're going you out straight away. So you maybe calling them, uh, the well, the Sami Nasri thing slightly lazy then because, I mean, you'd say he's superior to the Premier League, but very equal on a technical level, but maybe just lacks the application of that technicality, which I, is, I'm, you could argue, is the overall thing for City. I don't think it's the application. I think it's just the technical superiority that he enjoys is what gets him the space and the positions he needs. And he doesn't have that superiority in the Champions League, so it's much harder for him to get those positions and opportunities. And that's where I think it falls down for him. I agree. That just sounds like a bit of a fallacy. So he's superior to the Premier League, but not quite the level of the Champions League. Essentially, because as well, he, he is playing against lesser opposition. And mm, yeah, then... find, find me the last really big game that Sami Nasri influenced for Manchester City, arguably even Arsenal. I can't remember... Yeah. Consistent. Many where he kind of. I don't know that there was a good. There were some good times. I remember a few seasons ago. I mean, we're talking good, three or four seasons ago, where you know every week it was a mention of, oh, well, Sami Nasri changed this game for them. You know, but it was it was a run of maybe eight games. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. a season long thing. It was a very and short it was playing thing. consistently as well, which he's not doing it. Yeah. So he's he's seen as kind of this this introductory act towards the end of things, and that's that's a very hard role. To, to really grasp and thrive in, as we know, Lawrence, from our six-part documentary. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kristen. That was uh, well, much appreciated for all your hard work. Finally, we've, uh, we've, we've got to come on to Chelsea. Uh, 2 -1 You defeat. were handsomely paid. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Ch 
Chelsea. Uh, He's so flattering. Paid. Not handsome. And I was paid. You know, <laughs> yeah. Just paid. Uh, yeah. Chelsea uh, lost Barely away bad. at home. Uh, lost away to Porto two one. Of course. Um, again, not the best performance. Kristen, let me ask you about um, the situation here at Chelsea Mourinho because a lot of Chelsea fans obviously calling for, for John Terry to be reinstated in the team. We want our captain back, they were singing. It does seem inexplicable that Branislav Ivanovic is still in the team, in the defence, wearing the captain's armband, the way he's playing, and John Terry isn't? I completely agree. The, look at the, how many goals they're conceding from set pieces. The, the Mykon goal, the Vinaldum goal against Newcastle. In years gone by, you haven't seen Chelsea concede goals from set pieces, and it's because Terry organises. What he, yeah. he lacks in speed and, and the physical side of the game in terms of catching players and, <laughs> and moral decency. <laughs> yeah. He makes up for in organisation, in a lot of the kind of intangibles that you know, you're either born with or you're not. Uh, and I think that's what Chelsea is missing. And There's certainly qualities that Ivanovic doesn't have, you'd say. Yeah, he's not... I mean, look, his, his English isn't the best, so I don't expect him to be vocal in that sense. Uh, I, th- I think Zuma has a lot of potential, unquestionably, and, and in the long term, he mm. could really be an option for them. I think he did very well against Arsenal in terms of nullifying Walcott. In those European games, though, and, and arguably those difficult away games... I'd be more inclined to, to pick Terry. And that's where I think Mourinho's making his biggest mistake is he's not really catering for the opposition. I, I didn't expect to see Newcastle use any kind of pace against mm. Chelsea. I didn't expect uh, Porto to do similar. And the fact that Terry was, was absent for both of those, it just points to a, a bad selection for me. And I think that's something you'll very rarely hear about Jose Mourinho because he's almost this kind of brilliant mirror in terms of deflecting criticism. Now, Lawrence, I don't want to speculate wildly. But I will. Um, this John Terry situation, he's missing from the team. I mean, when, when he was first dropped um, at the start of the season, I believe it was half-time against Man City, he was taken off. You know, there was a bit of argument there. It's like, oh, why is everyone making a big da- deal out of it? You know, he's just it's a tactical thing, bringing on Zuma for the pace. It's getting to the point now where you are suspecting that there has been some sort of fallout, despite Mourinho's, you know, saying in the press that he, he couldn't have any more respect for John Terry and he loves John yeah. Terry. There's definitely something going on, is there not? Yes, although you can still have respect for someone and um, leave them out of sight. Um, you know, the, the problem would maybe be that people are setting it up as one extreme or the other, so it's, either, it's polar, um, and maybe that's not the case here. Maybe there's more nuance to it than we know. But then there are things being leaked from the club, and there's kind of every now and again you get that whisper of, um, you know, the, the players are concerned with Mourinho's approach because it's beginning to affect individuals within the side and maybe the more prominent individuals, and especially with a, an alpha male uh, as such as John Terry, you probably say when those guys begin to go down, then you you don't yeah. worry a little bit. But you imagine there are people further down the pecking order who are sort of think, well, I mean, I, hell, if he's thrown him under the bus from some people's perception, then what the hell's going to happen with me if my form goes or, you know, if I make a mistake or something like that. So I think it shows. And the difficulty here is he was part of that inner circle or the, you know, the inner circle in inverted commas that Mourinho keeps and, he may still be there. I mean, that's the thing is he may still be there. He may be privy to Mourinho's plans. But in that case, then you'd say maybe John Terry will be slightly more vocal about it or it would be there would both be very publicly um, out there about it. And the fact is they're not. Um, but it, 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 basically Mourinho has invited this pressure upon himself to some extent mm. because he normally courts um, this kind of attention. I mean, and it's not good right now for them. Kristen, overall, like the situation shows you, what are you making of it? Because like Lawrence is saying, there has been, there's a report today in The Guardian saying, you know, the Chelsea squad's concerned about Jose Mourinho's scapegoating. And like we say, this Chelsea, this uh, John Terry situation sort of building, coming to a head. It does seem like things are, instead of getting calmer almost, they seem to be unravelling uh, uh, more and more. In Mourinho's third season, which historically has been... Oh, yeah. His tipping point. He's he's not the long term manager. He's the the case study for Bella Cutman in that sense. You don't but stay he, longer than he three told years. Us he was going to stay for. He's staying at Chelsea for five, ten years until Roman gets rid of him. I mean, can you actually see him lasting beyond this season? If he's taking another job, or perhaps on the you know with the kit man or something like that, or a physio, <laughs> I, he's just building his own difficulties in that sense. I mean, look at the Eva Canero case. He was so unwilling to break character and even show any kind of remorse or what I assume he sees as weakness in admitting that he made a mistake that actually it's going to become increasingly harder for people at that football club to get on board with him. He's he's built a career on 
building a wall against everyone else and saying, look, it's us against them. They don't rate us. They don't believe in us. We have to show them we can do it. Right. And the problem is he's now building the wall with only himself on the inside. And I can't see a long-term future for him at that football club because of it. My, th- my theory on the John Terry situation is that it is his arrogance. He doesn't want to be seen as, you know, he doesn't want to admit he made a mistake almost. So if he keeps not playing John Terry and the form improves, no one can point to the absence of John Terry being a problem, you know. So Mourinho can be like, oh, you know, that has nothing to do with, the, you know, the poor form. I've sorted it all out, all this sort of stuff. But, well, he, the thing is as well, he's, he's dropped big players before. Look at Ike Casillas. And... That went At the well. time, there was a shock oh. with that one. Undeniably, there was a shock with that one. And you could argue in the long term, it actually made it seem like it was a good idea. But again, it's a fine yeah, but you line. You can say it's between... one and the other, which came first, the chicken or the egg, essentially. Exactly. Because, and... you know, Mourinho, you know, people say Mourinho destroyed him. There was, you know, there were fantastic things he was doing as goalkeeper before. But I, I, I do, yeah, the, the problem is maybe that Mourinho can, like an ego can hold up a mirror to someone else's ego. Um, and you'd say... At that point, it, you know, sometimes if you lose, that can be almost irreparable because just because of the, the huge damage that that's going to cause to some people. And Casillas, you'd argue, probably got you know, probably operated with somewhat of an ego about him, even if, you know, even though an ego is not a bad thing. I'm referring to it in a neutral sense, but mm. it still works there, you know, because Mourinho destroyed him as a player. Or even though you would say maybe that's, you know, Mourinho doesn't feel that responsible there, for it. There comes a point when a player that once dragged you forward, like Casillas, actually holds you back. And it's very difficult to then chop them because they have become so kind of instrumental in the, the tapestry of the football club. And I almost think that Mourinho seems to revel in pulling them out. And the problem is I think he does it too early in many instances. And we're seeing that with John Terry. He's not finished, but he's pulled him out needlessly and is seeming to be making an example of him. And I have no idea why, because he played every minute last season and he was influential in them winning the league. Yeah, it's that contrast, isn't it, between last season, like say every minute, so influential and so such a rock at the back and then all of a sudden to just over the summer be out of the team it's just very bizarre but elsewhere around Europe anyway in the Champions League we had uh, Barcelona as well uh, winning 2-1 against Bayer Leverkusen Messi missing of course but Suarez stepped up Lawrence I mean how do you think Barcelona are going to struggle with the next eight weeks without Messi, with the number of injuries they have, or do you think they're going to be okay? They've got enough quality to sort of keep them afloat. Suarez turned to uh, Luis Enrique when Messi first went down, and he went, it's all right, I've got this. I spent th- about three seasons doing it, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's cool, just watch me, yeah? Um, <laughs> is there any chance we can sign Martin Skirtle? What? Nothing. Is, I'm off. The, the whole... I can be our Jamie Vardy. Yeah. <laughs> In many ways. Yeah. yeah, he turned to Luis Enrique and went, it's all right, I've been watching the Premier League. Do you know a little-known player? Um, and yeah. he, But that's the point with them. It's, you know, there's, there's quality throughout the squad for a but number of different But all of Barcelona's reasons. play goes through Messi one way or another. They seem so... No, I mean, yes, but that doesn't mean... I mean, it doesn't mean that they're not clever enough as players to turn that around. You'd argue that the Barcelona way or, you know, the mentality within the squad is built and geared towards Messi. But that doesn't necessarily mean that should they lose one... Albeit vital part in playing the style that they normally want to play, then they're not intelligent enough or happy or um, savvy enough out there on the pitch, especially with players like Suarez and Neymar, to be able to turn things around. We also had uh, Real Madrid, of course, winning. Um, yeah. Should we talk about Real Madrid and uh, Ronaldo? Yeah, that's what I just, so they won 2 0 against Malmo. So he's now scored 500 career goals, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and he's also scored 323 goals uh, for Real Madrid, putting him level with Raúl in the official record books for the club. There, have you heard about the ghost goal, though, that Ronaldo scored? Have you heard about that one? No. So one of those goals is officially not one of Ronaldo's goals. Oh, go on. So basically, uh, it was in September 2010, 2-1 win over Sociedad. I'm sure you remember it, guys. Uh, but, you know, Ronaldo scored, ah, a f- yes. Ronaldo scored a free kick or he, he hit a free kick, which deflected off of Pepe's head uh, and flew into the net. Now, by the league, the league counted that as Pepe's goal. So officially, it is Pepe's goal. And Ronaldo, <laughs> Ronaldo hasn't got to the, 
Yeah. But for Real Madrid. I just imagine Real Madrid Ronaldo was Pepe's head in the toilet going, whose goal was it? Whose goal was it? But of course, Real Madrid. Pepe just going, Pepe's goal. Pepe's goal. In the league's history books, in the history of that game, it was Pepe's goal. But Real Madrid just decided to give it to Ronaldo. So that's what it will then. I mean, you argue that Ronaldo has surpassed that record at some point. So it's almost irrelevant. It doesn't really matter. I wish my Sunday league team had done that a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah, you Kristen's on, but we're going to give this to Kristen. <laughs> but his, exactly. uh, Kristen's in goal. We're giving it to Kristen. So regardless of whether that goal stood or not. 20 for the season. <laughs> whether he's one short of um, Raul's record or whether he's, he's, he's equal now. Still, people are waxing lyrical right now. Cristiano Ronaldo, so as it stands, he has scored. For Real Madrid, he scored 323 goals in 308 games, which is just... It's obscene, isn't it? Mm. I mean... Uh, Oh, well. what, what, What else can you say? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You can can say um, physically he's a a specimen. Um, You can also say um, that you you would say there's um, uh, something that... There's a story there to be written, which you worry that the PR machine will write. Because what I worry is right now, there's, there's you know, we're seeing the Ronaldo movie, and you know, which looks lovely, by the way. Um, we're seeing the Ronaldo movie and all those kind of things. And there's this almost, it, I don't know about you, Kristen. Kristen I know Kristen writes a lot of um, profiles on players. And, you know, you can meet a guy and feel good about him, feel bad about him, and that might change the way that you write your profile. But the thing is... What I worry about now is not journalists tainting that, but the PR machine controlling the way that it's perceived to such a point that his legacy is almost, it becomes this, well, he was just good. And you just sort of go, I, I want to know yeah, more about that. And you end up with this, like, they end up with this lack of analysis of a really great player and maybe lack of some of the lacks that he had. And you end up with just a, a whitewashing of what is Cristiano Ronaldo because the PR monster keeps moving. And I don't know. That's what I feel when I look at Ronaldo. People just go, "Well, he was just great." I feel I, I feel like he's almost so good that it becomes the norm. So that he's it's same with Messi, of course, as well. That their achievements are undermined by the fact that they're too good because you, you expect it every week. You score Ronaldo to score a hat trick, Messi to to bang a few goals in as well. But I think you know it will take. I think when we look back, we'd be like, my God, like, we are starting to say now, you know, it's incredible the amount of goals they've scored per game and all this sort of stuff. But I think we'll probably only appreciate it once uh, they finish. Ronaldo himself is, is he 30, I believe? He's, 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 31. He's, um, he does seem to be moving towards a more central role though, Kristen. So Rafa Benitez has sort of said how he's going to maybe use him more as a striker, maybe move Gareth Bale out to that left wing. He did sort of move into the middle last night. I mean, is that where his position is going to be for the next three, four, five years for Real Madrid as he looks to make his record, you know, unstoppable? I think so. It's it's another interesting evolution of a winger turned striker. Um, we talk about Martial and, and Henri. It's, it is that move inwards that seems to have accelerated all of their careers in that sense. And I think with Ronaldo, what he's also been able to, to benefit from is, is real self-awareness of his game. And by that, I mean... 
if you look at like the really early years at Manchester United, there was a lot of frivolous tricks and things that weren't needed and things that look great on YouTube, but again, aren't going to really benefit you as a player. And he's almost removed a large portion of that from his game. He's a lot more direct in that sense. I think you look at maybe football as a whole, there's been a slight tendency to get a little bit unnecessary with passes and tricks and all these kind of things as we've tried to almost reinvent the showman. And Ronaldo, I think, has almost shunned that idea and, and he's become just clinical and, and predatory in the way that he plays to the point where he's scoring more than a goal a game. And, and I think that's a large reason that why you're able to quote that goal and game statistic is because he's evolved and, and almost shunned what everyone else has seen as popular. Let me ask you this pop quiz. Which player has provided Ronaldo with the most assists? Kristen, I'll come to you first. Most it's got to be Ozil. 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 Yeah, I think I'm going to say Ozil as well. Both wrong. Oh, wait, no. Uh, I would have threw you off. Want another guess? Um, I would say Gareth Bale. Gareth, in his career. We're talking his entire career. Oh, okay. Oh, you don't mean this. Um, You don't mean this season where Ozil was playing alongside him? Yeah, this Um, season. I would say, oh, Chabby Alonso. Wrong again. Damn it, wait a minute. I'll give you one more guess, Kristen. Could it be a Portuguese player? Karim Benzema? Bang on the money. Ah, Christian Benzema. Bang on the money. Always bang on. So you have it, Christian Ronaldo. We've waxed lyrical there. Um, and yet it was Benzema that really built <laughs> yeah. him up down the years. <laughs> I mean, you did have. Uh, was I look at him having to fight off interest from Arsenal. <laughs> was it Ibrahimovic who came out and said, you know, Rooney was the one uh, almost responsible for Ronaldo's success at Man United? You know, Rooney doesn't get enough credit. That's what they'll and be saying about People say Benzema. he doesn't have a sense of humour, but Zlatan clearly does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously. Um, The the other uh, big news today, of course, was the England squad getting announced. Deli Alley getting called up, Kristen. Um, He's only played eight games for Spurs, but he's he's looking pretty promising, if I do say so myself. He's looking brilliant. And Carl Robinson has waxed lyrical. I've I've been in one or two press conferences with Carl when he's talked about Deli. And he has a lot of the the mental things that you maybe look look for a player to game when they go out on loan. And I think that's been the benefit of him starting his career in the Football League is that he's very composed. I think he understands what he wants to do with the ball almost before it's arrived. And he doesn't seem someone that's phased. And I I really admire that because there's a large step up from League One to the Premier League. There's lots of different uh, nuances that I think get lost in in covering the two two different leagues. And for some reason, Ali just seems to have bypassed them all. And he's someone that I think contributes on both ends of the ball. And that in itself is, is worth its weight in gold. And I think it was five million. Was it Spurs paid? MK uh, dollars. Yeah, some of that, which is just looking absolute bargain. Eric Dyer as well was four million. I mean, that's looking yeah. pretty, uh, pretty good business for once by Spurs. Um, Daniel Sturridge yeah. left out Lawrence. That's making a lot of headlines, but that just seems like common sense to me, surely. Yeah, I think it's um, down to injury. I mean, most most people would say if he's left out for the friendlies, then we should probably worry for that. Pray for Daniel Sturridge. Um, but, um, uh, but at this point, you're probably saying it's clever, really, from Hodgson, and shows a bit of a, a level of intent. Because I think yeah. he also knows the level of Sturridge. And he, I mean, he, you know, you saw the instant impact of him mm. when he came back at Liverpool. That was incredible. Um, and I think he knows the level of player that he is. Um, so no, yeah, nothing to worry about there. And what, what do you make of Danny Ings being included in the squad? Have you been impressed with what you've seen him in Liverpool this season? You know, I, I feel a bit sorry for Ings because he doesn't like he's a good player. Um, and he, he, he's not one-dimensional, but you'd argue that a lot of his Liverpool goals make him look that way. Um, his movement's fantastic, and so that's why he gets beyond people. You do worry a little bit that when he gets to the international level, will he be able to reproduce that? Because like Kristen, and you have already spoken about as well, when stepping it up to the Champions League level, or the next level, which you imagine international football will be at this tournament, that kind of movement alone isn't enough. And he's a very, apparently he's a very hard worker, apparently he's a great person to have around the squad, um, I've been impressed in the sense that of what I've heard of him, that doesn't necessarily mean he represents what I would look for in a footballer. But yes, I think he deserves his place in the England squad. And I'd love to see how he combines with the other guys. Um, I'll be interested to see what he brings as well. If he was to say be played alongside Kane, mm-hmm. um, how well um, those two would combine. Because you know we know what other levels they've combined as well throughout their England careers. Still relatively young players. Ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the questions. 
So lots of great questions this week. There's only one place to start. I mean, Nathan Gold, he's come in and he said, do Spurs have a mentality problem? Now, Kristen, I'm sure oh, listened no, to the podcast last week. We had a we had an interesting uh, interlude where we were talking about Spurs, weren't we, and their ambitions for the top four. And Lawrence was sort of saying that, you know, not to... Lawrence, to, well, Lawrence was making a crap point. No, right? Lawrence made a... Lawrence was making a point that was poorly made, but had essentially a, a milky centre, Kristen. It, what Lawrence was sort of saying was that Spurs have a mentality problem in many ways, not just on the pitch, but throughout the club. And I was not very eloquently at all trying to say, I think that's not Spurs' biggest <laughs> You're talking biggest bollocks, pro- I think, at one point. <laughs> that's <just> not fair. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was trying to say, I, I feel like that's not Spurs' biggest problem, their mentality problem. Wasn't what I was saying, but all right. But, Kristen... What, what do you think Spurs' biggest problem is, just if you can paraphrase? I mean, yeah, I mean, w- 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 Spurs obviously very impressive against Man City. I mean, you know, great, fantastic win. But, I mean, in terms of their aspiration for the top four... What do you think their problem is has been in the last few years when they've sort of missed out? They've been, they've they've just not couldn't quite get over the finish line. I think it's a mixture of mentality and poor transfer business. <laughs> go on, go on, yes, go, on yeah. go on, go on, Adam. Pit him, pit him. No, no, no. I, I, I <laughs> go on, Adam. Land the bunch. I think Franco Baldini pushed your club backwards a few steps. God, he didn't gone. buy the right I kind agree. of players. He opted for players like Etienne Capoue. Uh, maybe even Eric Lamella to a degree, even though he's thriving the, now. The thing that really doesn't help Balnini is the contrast of, like we just said there, Deli Ali, Eric Dyer. I mean, even Hyung Min Son's come in and had a good impact. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he's gone now, isn't he? Hyung Min Son? No. Um, Baldini. Baldini. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So he's easy. I was like, is he? <laughs> well, you think? <laughs> Sold him already. Uh, no, yeah, Baldini. Baldini's Baldini. final action before it, he it left was, the club. I'll spite you. When you looked at the the raft of transfers that came in after Bear, it was you know Soldado who's obviously been sold on. Um, uh, Vlad Churikes, who I'm shocked even got to play for the club. As you mentioned, there Etienne Capu. We did have Chadley, who's who's been a decent signing. He has played well for us, and uh, hopefully there's more to come. And obviously Eric Lamella, who. So far, this season has started to show that he, may, while he not may not be worth thirty million, he's certainly a promising young player. He is. I think the the problem is, and you can separate the two. You can say he made some good signings this summer, and, and with the English guys like Dyer and, and Ali, but you can also say that the oh, players no, he signed. I'm suggesting Baudini didn't have anything to do with them, and that's the um, well, Pochettino. Well, I, th- and- I imagine he had to sign off on them. I would have thought in some case. I, d- I don't imagine they ushered him in without his notice. Um, the, the thing is, though, I think what you can say is he signed the wrong players for the wrong moment in terms of he bought a lot of players that were on a similar level to Spurs when actually you needed players that were going to elevate you above. And if you were going to try and do something that Liverpool did with Suarez where you, you buy a player that you think you can grow on further, that's fine. But Roberto Soldado was not that player. There wasn't long enough in his career. And also, I, I just didn't think his style was the, the right one to, to isolate one man in particular. Lamella again, he was I remember he was touted as, as the replacement to Bale in the team, but he's never had the change of pace that Bale did. And again, it's it's that's the problem is that you didn't or at least I I thought that Spurs didn't want to change the way they played, but to keep playing the way they did, they needed someone who had that change of pace, a little bit like Sun I think has now. And that's been an issue for them is that they've now had to sell a lot of these players they had to get rid of Kapu and, and such like and it's it's put them I think a few steps behind and as good as Dyer and Ali could mm. be they shouldn't necessarily be in the first team I feel as if if anything they should be at clubs trying to if if you're assuming they have the best possible window they should be at clubs learning their trade instead of in the Spurs first team because the Spurs first team should be significantly better considering they had 100 million to spend that's true uh, the 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 reports are that we we obviously brought in um, Paul Mitchell from Southampton he's now our head of recruitment and apparently him and Pochettino you know uh, uh, were then in charge of transfer policy they sidelined Baldini to the point where they managed to get him out of the club last <laughs> week took his checkbook <laughs> off fuck off mate um Stop trying to buy players. <laughs> Sally Jaw on Twitter said, thanks for answer, answering my question about who is the best at FIFA. I still don't know who is actually the best out of you three. I am the whole. It's me, 100%. No it question. is, It is Adam, but don't worry. In time, I will challenge. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, you know what? Kristen actually 
whips, oh, whips people. Could, no, believe me, you would not. Having played Kristen at every level of FIFA, you know, we played FIFA 96 <laughs> together. Um, we we, we realised that Kristen is a superior football mind. J- j- next question is from James Kaser, who says, uh, what is your guy's opinion on having guests on the show? Not yeah, every it shouldn't week. happen, mate. Shouldn't happen. Not every week, but maybe I once think a waste week. Of as well. I think it yeah. <laughs> More, you mean? We'll pay you in love, Kristen. Um, oh, I, <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> Easy there, big guy. <laughs> You've taken quite Sorry, I'll do it for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on second thoughts, yeah. Very good. I, uh, I'm, he's on fire tonight. I'm not adverse to that idea. Are you, yeah. uh, Lawrence? What love? Yeah, um, I mean, free love. Yeah, I love it. I love. I love guests. I love a guest. Um, Let's get. Crystal. I think they bring something. What we do, what we don't ask them about is the things they know about. So, I mean, Kristen's been just riffing tonight. We should ask him about leagues he actually knows about. Um, MLS. Kristen, Kristen knows everything. No, MLS, we must talk about MLS at some point. Okay, hopefully the there's a question, a question coming up. Um, hopefully there's a question. Cameron Sager says, how long, how much longer can Mourinho survive at Chelsea if results don't improve? We didn't yes, touch that. He's we much beloved by the fans. Yeah, well, I've heard they're, they're starting to tell him, but I mean... Yeah, uh, they're wrong. <laughs> Will there be another dominant English team like Liverpool and Manchester United were? And Leeds. If so, who? Um, um, I assume it means domestically and, and, and abroad. Like Manchester uh, United oof. were in, the, in the, the 90s and the early 2000s, just dominating everything. I don't think... Kristen? They won't, because the, the elite is too expanded now. Yeah, and not to the same... Not, not in the same way. Although, I mean, you know, look at Barcelona. Although they're still not dominant in the same way, are they? Well, let me swiftly move on to the next question then, which is, who, which English team has the highest chance of winning the Champions League? That's also from James Casey. I like that one. Um, well, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I mean, the most chance, you'd probably say Liverpool. Manchester yes. City. No? Um, this season. Yeah. Yes. Although... The problem with Mourinho is it's the sort of up and down uh, elements of what goes on at Chelsea. So you sort of say one minute, you know, they've got the best chance, one minute they don't. I, I, I'd say City this season, but yeah. Um, Although, yeah. oh, that United team. Hmm, it's not like him. Um, Manchester do. The next question is from Jeremy AFC at Assist. Always sending in the good questions. He says, what was your most frustrating moment as a football fan? The one that springs to mind for me is when Tottenham finished fourth 2012 Chelsea and Bayern Munich in the Champions League final if Chelsea won they were going to get Champions League football ahead of us but of course they weren't going to win they were playing terrible they'd scraped through into the finals they were losing against Bayern Munich and all of a sudden Drogba scored that header they clung on an extra time and as soon as Drogba put away that last penalty that was uh, quite frustrating yeah Uh, what about you Lawrence uh, the introduction of the word banter in about 1999. Um, <laughs> probably um, is going to be a semi-final. Gerard slip. Oh, you know, uh, no, not Gerard. Let's say the Cruel the Crystal Palace fate. game. Oh God, yeah. The Crystal Palace game because that was um, that was something where you think, you know what? Yeah, they did. Oh, f- f-. and then that's it. It's gone. Um, but you know, the Gerard slip is part of it. But I think it's just in general that maybe it's also there's a lot of I have a long list. Uh, yeah, the, not the Gerard slip, the Crystal Palace uh, fixture. Kristen, uh, Kristen, being it's a Newcastle bit like fan. my mastermind specialist subject, Newcastle yeah. from 1992 <laughs> the to internet. 2015. Yeah, you picked the, the last month. 20. The last 20 <laughs> years. Have you got enough? Yeah. Um, uh, Ginla? L- losing the title, 12 points. Uh, let me think what else. Getting rid of Bobby Robson, cranky yeah. on a bite, that was stupid. You shouldn't um, have thrown him out. If giving Graham Sooners work, like, you know. <laughs> you think, yeah, Sky Sports feel the same. That was strange. It's ridiculous. They don't, they don't. Graham, not, Graham, Graham Norton, Graham Sooners <laughs> is a really good There's a that. show I'd watch. <laughs> Speaking of... I would 100% watch a show with Graham Norton presenting the football. It's a sitcom waiting to be made. Graham Sooners is Graham Norton's dad, and he has no idea that he's gay. Oh, God. (laughs) And Graham Norton (laughs) has no idea that Graham Sooness is gay. (laughs) And he tries to get him to be a professional footballer. (laughs) But there's no way Graham Sooness can be a professional footballer now. For fuck's sake, Graham, chase the ball. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be be on TV in in, in 
20 years. It's like Alan Partridge, uh, was it Chris Eubanks? Um, what is it? He's hostling with Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. on telly. This, this will be that situation in 20 yeah. years. Um, <laughs> speaking of leagues that Kristen knows a lot about, uh, Dason Adams and says, do you know anything about Kazakhstan? Hey. <laughs> <Come> <laughs> FC Astana yeah. is from this country. Kristen, oh. go. They've had a very meteoric rise. Yep. I thought they were quite unlucky against Galatasaray personally. But yeah, do you, is this, do you actually know something about them? Well, well it was I mean, it was a goalkeeping error that kind of cost them. Bloody hell. Fair play. Let me ask you this one then. This bloody one. hell, you watch the football, Chris. You watch all of the bloody football. Hell. This will get you. Do you know about the Indian Super League? And does yes. it have potential, says Varun Joshi. It's one of yes, my favourite beers. I think on the surface it looks as if it's just these marquee players that are coming in. Arguably some of them are past it. And there are some lower league players. I know Josh Walker, who was at Middlesbrough the kids there. But they're, they are also giving a good platform to Indian players as well, and I think that's just as important. And I think yes. you're getting a cultural benefit in the sense that these players and coaches are teaching and improving the infrastructure in terms of that learning process for these players. And, and that is a benefit. And more importantly, I think the difficulty they face is with having the Premier League, it can be difficult to convince Indian fans to go to the ground and to see the games. But I also think you're awakening something in those fans who want something on their doorstep and want something that they can genuinely attach themselves to. So having that there is important. And I do think that while it's portrayed as, isn't it mad that Nicholas Inelka is a manager when he was so crazy to play? There's so much more to it than that. And it's, it is a lot more nuanced than I think the coverage is, is currently allowing for. That was a great answer. That was a, a much better answer than I expected from, from any of us. So... Well done. Um, God. Here's, we should get more guests on here. <laughs> yeah, hang on. They know more than any of us put together. So what um, Matthew Devine says, who has more potential and who will be better, Memphis or Martial? Um, let's go for Martial because apparently he's the new Thierry Henry and if he's the new Thierry Henry, he's going to be one of the greatest players in Premier League history. So that's a lot of potential. Great. You can't buy potential. You can't. Indeed, you can't. Um, Nicola F says, if Rogers is the answer, what is the question? Maybe who's going to get who's sacked, sacked first? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Snap. Who's got the most character in Liverpool? Who's got the most character? Um, yeah, I think if Rogers is the answer, what's the question? According to we, Brendan Rogers. Um, I'm like that old manager, but better. Harry. That, that was my best one. Harry at HJD Cornish said, who would be a better hypothetical replacement for Rogers, Klopp or Ancelotti of course I'd argue potentially Klopp because Ancelotti is more of a, a cup manager but maybe that's some uh, good for Liverpool in a, in a way they could win a win a trophy win some silverware yeah um, yeah whatever that's I'd, I'd agree with that He's, the thing whatever. is as well what he did with Dortmund <laughs> is he really built them up and you know yeah. there was the talk of the, the financial insecurity the potential liquidation and he did a really good job of, of almost rebuilding that club and taking players who maybe weren't the elite and pushing them into that stratosphere and I think at the minute that's kind of what Liverpool need yeah like he really changed the perception of what what it was to be an elite player essentially because well you know I mean they're, they're, there's some players there who you know went to other places Nuri Shaheen at Liverpool for instance played drastically out of position didn't particularly like the culture but they, he managed to find people who suited that and you'd imagine that Liverpool fans will buy into that because it's a great philosophy Great philosophy. Um, Shailen Patel says, who do, you, who do you guys see as becoming the young breakout star this season? I mean, Deli Ali looks like he's on course for the PFA Young Player of the Year, the way things are going. Um, is there any other young players who are sort of on the fringes who maybe haven't had quite such a, a, a good start as of yet, but could explain? Who are named after tasty landmarks. Hmm. Um, I, I quite like that. Alex Pritchard in, the, in pre-season, but I just think injuries kind of halted his chance at the minute I like Sandwich Street playing at Liverpool I'm sure he's good just off from Delhi Alley um, I like I mean Jordan I have to go on I, I was hoping Joe Gomez would have a better season for Liverpool but um, I think Duncan Watmore if, if things keep getting bad for Sunderland I think you might see him get a few more chances and, and take <laughs> yeah you know what fuck it we're going down anyway let's see what happens and well he's got an economics degree as well he's a really intelligent young lad is he that one that got and the yet first? somehow he agreed to join Sunderland? No, I'm sorry, that's that's low blood. Uh, Andy, supply and demand, Kristen, supply and demand. <laughs> Andy at Ander Sawyer on Twitter said, do you think it's time that the Champions League included goal line technology after this round? We had uh, David Ospina bouncing, hilariously bouncing the ball over his own line. He may or may not have. It was hard to tell, almost impossible to tell from the replays. He didn't 
goal line technology should be brought in. Platini seems to prefer the old um, assistants on the line. Yeah, well, Platini is what he is. Well, the thing was, it, that. in yeah. the Gladbach game, you came close to having that really change the, the impact of the game because I, I forget who headed it across the line. It Excuse was, me for um, that. Was it? Oh, it was Demichelis, wasn't it? He kind of yes. needed mm. over the line. And it, that wasn't given, but Omendi's shot that Christiansen headed in was. Why and the fifth official there? did nothing. The, the reason they say they, they can't do it is because the participants of the competition changes year on year so financially it's not in their best interest to do it I think that's a really lame duck answer personally and you should be looking to, to try and give each round because even if you know you, you give it to them or you get them to pay for it it just means more grounds using their theory get goal line technology which can only be a good thing this has to be my favourite question this week it's from Hanzala Abassi and he says if you were forced to live on a deserted island with one footballer, past or present. I love how he calls it a deserted island, not a <laughs> desert island. Yeah, deserted. Very it's different. Cake just, and ice cream. I was going to say, yeah, you just add in an ED <laughs> to so many things. Any footballer, past or present, who would it be? Hmm. Um, now, that oh. is a very tough question. Socrates. He sounded like a laugh. Socrates. Um, and a thoughtful I mean, man at that. What, what are you looking for? for how many caps did he get for Greece? If you are, if you are, um, if you're stranded on a deserted island, right? You want someone who's going to be able to help you get out of that situation. I'm sure Kristen would love to be uh, stuck on a desert island with Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, <laughs> tell me more, Jurgen, um, or, or uh, um, Bradley Wright. For, oh, Ian Wright! I'd love to be tra- trapped on a desert island with Ian Wright. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ian Wright's very nice. Very nice. Guy. Oh no! Wait, sorry, Javi Alonso. We might be. The answer to every question, Xavi Alonso. Yeah, because we grow glorious beards. He could probably get you out of time. He could probably build you a a vast vessel to to get you off the island. Because he or he he could just accurately kick me to the nearest island, (laughs) (laughs) save your life, sacrifice himself, he'd save you, kick you off. (laughs) He break his own leg. But very reason, I want to pick former Belgian uh, player Gilles de Bilder, so we can (laughs) strike the boat. Can he fix it? No, I don't know why you chose me. <laughs> Shut up and tell me about Sheffield Wednesday, you little handsome chap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh no. Yeah, um, awesome. Would you rather have in your team you support Suarez or Lewandowski? Uh, would you rather have Suarez or Lewandowski at uh, Newcastle, Kristen? Uh, Lewandowski. Right now. I wouldn't have to start as many conversations with. I know, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I, at the moment I'd go for Lewandowski. I think he's uh, clinical. Um, you know, so when does he get here then? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Sorry, it's 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 We've arranged it just for you. <laughs> Let me go and tell the rest of the village. Who's <laughs> who's your who's your answer, Lawrence? I don't care anymore. We got a good punchline out of it. Move on. Um. Mm. Why are Juve playing good in the Champions League, but bad in Serie A, Kristen? I think they'd pick Suarez. I think it's... I think it's to do with the fact that it's a little bit slower in the Champions League, and I think it's more built for a team that's playing the way they are at the minute, which is someone who likes to to keep the ball. And, And you found the same with Dortmund. Actually, they had this duality between the Bundesliga and Champions League last season. I think it's... It's just more geared to that kind of team um, I think as well in domestic play they've, they've really struggled with the fact that their spine was dismantled last season and that's taking time for them to, to kind of come together and in fairness in their opening game they played a really bad City side and in this game the other night they played an absolutely knackered Sevilla side so they've had a little bit of that benefit I think as well Final question this week guys is Thoughts on the Ronaldo movie? Should Messi make one to take the piss? Have you have you guys seen the actual trailer for the for the Ronaldo movie? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, Messi's in it he, briefly. Yeah, he is briefly. Yeah, Kristen, have you seen it? Yeah, uh, I've seen bits of it. Yeah, is it not massively over the top and incredibly melodramatic, and therefore absolutely yeah. ridiculous? So it's a perfect representation of his <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, in many ways. But I, I wonder if it, it's a, it, 
when's it out? I think it's November, is it out? Soon, I think it yeah. says. Um, I hope it's like an even-handed documentary, the one that sort of shows you the good and the bad and maybe... Yes, it really looks I, that way, especially when Ronaldo's been promoting it for such a while. Yeah, okay, so um, it's going to be a, a, a puff piece, basically. It's so even-handed in the way that they make him look fantastic. Amazing. Um, it's so hard to be good. Yeah, Thank exactly. But like I must wonderful. continue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, My life. <laughs> but the last, enough about Adidas Game Day Plus. Um, I don't know. Um, 2015 was a difficult year. I went from very good to good. <laughs> yeah. I went but from excellent to good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very, very good. We sort of summed up um, there. It's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be the most <laughs> insightful documentary about Ronaldo. I think it will I think it'll be insightful about him as a, on a personal I don't level think it, no I don't think it will be I think it's going to show you him I think it's going to show you all the good bits and maybe it not. is hard to be a good father yeah I want to be a goalkeeper you what <laughs> that was good no um, chance they don't get a goal bonus <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah. um uh, yes good point so that just about wraps up uh this week's episode of the front three I mean that was a very in-depth very intelligent discussion with Kristen on board so. <laughs> I love it when you do these little evaluations I just think it was it was I know <laughs> sort of um, that was that, guys we I are the best. Really, yeah you're right no I'm not you know blowing my own trumpet I'm in many ways blowing Kristen's uh, trumpet but cover your ears because <laughs> I'm going to blow our trumpet <laughs> he uh, I think cover I, your eyes kids I think you're a great replacement for uh, for Dave Kristen thank Permanently. you thank what? you for coming on board Cheers. It's been a, a pleasure. I always enjoy talking football with you guys. Where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, well, at the minute, it's, it's Twitter at K-H-E-N-E-A-G. And I've just dropped, as I believe the hip-hop people say, uh, an interview with Dom Dwyer of Sporting Kansas City. Wow. Yeah, what was he like to interview, Chris? He was very tired, bless him, very preoccupied, mm. yeah. and good enough to give me half an hour or yes. less of his busy schedule. Yes, you're right. What a champ. Um, yes, lots. that's the word I'd use to describe him. Um, yeah, it sounded answer. like the word I use. Yeah. <laughs> Yellow's dead. C A S T. Very good. Um, and where can they find you, Adam? You can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood. You can find us at the front three on Twitter. Until next week, we'll see you later.